Welcome to another episode of What? We're here alone together, a side path of the Daddy Unscripted podcast. My name is Tim Wheaton, and I am your host. Plus, then you throw COVID into it. Yep. So, yeah, in COVID times, everybody has something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I just two nights ago, I think I woke up and had just a different feeling sore throat and was like, this is it. This is it. <laughs> yeah, I, I took a nap uh, earlier and I don't take naps. And so like, I woke up kind of feeling groggy. I'm like, is that it? Is, is this a oh, like, I'm not. Is this normally how you're supposed to feel after naps or is this COVID? Yeah. I don't, I don't yeah. know. And I don't usually take naps. Am I? Yeah, am I lethargic? Like, yeah, I don't know. Hey guys, thanks everybody for joining for another episode. I'm really excited to be here again. I I really do get an inspired burst of energy on the days that I am set to record new episodes. So with that said, instead of saying this at the end, I will say, if you want to support the podcast in other ways besides what you may have heard at the beginning of the podcast, and I don't have a Patreon or anything yet, maybe that's in parentheses, but... I would love for you guys to continue to spread the word, to send me an email at daddyunscripted at gmail.com, to contact me on any of the social media platforms, Daddy Unscripted, on either Instagram or on Facebook. There is a Facebook group and on Twitter, which is where I'm probably the most active. That is more than welcome. I love hearing from you guys. And I would love for you to go to wherever you listen to your podcasts leave a review, leave a rating. If you want to bring it all the way up to five stars, woohoo! I love that. Leave me an honest review. I would love to get that response and feedback from you guys and tell your friends, send some more people this way. I'm on the brink of something with the podcast in general, and I will tell you more about that as that kind of gets a little bit closer. But there's been something that's really been Normally, I would say weighing on me, but it hasn't been like that. It's been something that has been lifting me up and propelling me to do something a little bit different. And I think that's going to happen, but you'll just have to wait and hear more about it. Okay. Is that a teaser? Is that a cliffhanger? I don't know. But anyways, before I get to anything in this episode, let me do, I'm going to do quicker business today. Okay. So let me keep it really in tune with what we're doing here today with our guest. And let me tell you about the nonprofit, one of the nonprofits that Osiris Media is joined with, which is free, P-H-R-E. We're all about acronyms in this episode, but free, P-H-R-E, which stands for Fans for Racial Equity. It's a community of fish and jam band fans that promotes racial equity and respect for difference within the fish and greater jam band community and beyond. Free strives to make the community a more welcoming space for people of all races and ethnicities. Free was founded in 2017 and has an active social media presence with over 1,500 members in its Facebook group and continuing to grow. Recent free activities have included 
tabling inside fish shows. Oh, don't we miss shows. Working with music venues to implement racial equity training for staff. Hosting an all-day virtual retreat that included a public panel highlighting the experiences of fans of color in the fish community. And raising almost $5,000 for the racial justice organization, Color of Change. Their planned upcoming activities included mobilizing the community to support Black Lives Matter, organizing and also to advocate that venues and bands use their influence to enact changes around policing and communities that fans visit to see shows, building out intervention training for fans and creating videos for fans to tell their stories. You can come check free out at facebook.com backslash fans for racial equity and fans is spelled ph you can check them out on twitter which is fans for r-a-c-e-q and their instagram is fans for racial equity just like their facebook group or you can email them at fans for racial equity at gmail.com again fans is ph that's why it's p-h-r-e if you're a fish fan then that ph thing just came naturally to you If not, maybe you're a fan of what's something else that starts with PH. I'm just editing this for time, but I couldn't think of another PH word. I asked my daughter who was right here and she told me, phone, what's, why did you not think of that? She also told me, I said that I was probably thinking about it too hard. And she said, work smarter, not harder. So some uh, little tidbits of wisdom from my now 12 year old daughter. So go check out free. My other little thing that I will say as a proud member of Osiris Media is that we are partnered with Jambase and Jambase recently launched a new video portal, which is an ever growing database featuring over 90,000 live music videos. The Jambase live video archive features individually tagged high-quality footage from all eras of your favorite bands. Thousands of videos from Fish and the Grateful Dead, with hundreds more from Ween, Umphreys McGee, The Disco Biscuits, Widespread Panic, Dave Matthews... I know I read Disco Biscuits weird. I'm okay with that. Dave Matthews Band and more. So head over to jambase.com backslash videos to give it a try. I'm trying to keep this really short and sweet. What else do I need to tell you guys before we jump in? Oh, I do want to tell you one more thing. Very soon, the second season of Past, Present, Future Live is going to be dropping via Osiris Media. The first season was so cool. It was RJ sitting and having a conversation, interviewing a musician. They were going through kind of their past history. It was part interview, part performance. The very end of it was a few songs that defined the artist's journey for them. It featured Eric Krasno, Maggie Rose, Marco Benevento, among many others. So go to where you listen to podcasts. I'm going to keep telling you to go where you listen to podcasts. Find Past, Present, Future Live Go subscribe and be ready for when the second season starts very soon here. Really cool podcast from Osiris Media. Okay, now let's dig in. Let me tell you about my guest and then jump right into our conversation. So my guest today is Chris Colbert. He is the founder and CEO of DCP Entertainment. And DCP Entertainment 
is a media production and distribution company curating pivotal conversations and a platform for underrepresented voices, including people of color, women, the LGBTQ plus community, and other overlooked communities. They have a number of different great podcasts, Democracy-ish, Woke AF, Inner Space being one of their first ones, what we talk about a little bit in this conversation as well. We will tell you more about the new podcast they have coming out that was a big, huge like, yes, I need to have Chris on my show because they are launching, well, now that you know, because of time and space and the time continuum and DeLoreans that go 88 miles per hour, this is already out now, but they have a new podcast called Say Their Name, which you guys need to check out. I'm not going to get into it right now. We talk about it in the episode. So Chris, I reached out to him. I've heard that he was going to be one of the new paneled speakers for podcast movement the huge podcast conference that happens every year and this year obviously is going to be fully virtual but he is going to be a panelist there and I read a little bit more about him and I thank him a few times in this episode but I was so grateful for him and his team reaching back out to me and being so gracious with his time and coming on making this happen pretty quickly so Thank you to everybody who worked with Chris to make that happen. And I'm just going to get right to this episode. And it kind of jumps right in. And we kind of talked before I started recording. And we were talking kind of about where Daddy Unscripted started and how the whole thing kind of evolved and whatnot. And he was talking about how strong the maternal side of his family is. And I said, oh, cool. We'll, We'll get into that for sure. We didn't get into it. Spoiler alert. We didn't get really hardly into family stuff at all. And for that reason alone, plus how great this conversation was and other reasons, I'm going to want to reach out to Chris again and see if I can get him on again and talk about some of that other stuff and talk about his history of life. But we really just started talking about mental health And then we just jumped in and started talking about issues that are facing our world today and everything that he is doing with DCP Entertainment and with the new podcast, Say Their Name. And we just kind of ended up going in this different direction. So I will always be unscripted, even if the name of my podcast was to ever change. You just are going to know that about me. It's not a scripted show. So with that said... Let's jump right into my conversation with Chris Colbert. Thank you very much, everybody, for tuning in for another episode of Daddy Unscripted, really more so of the what section of it. We are here alone together, and joining me today is Chris Colbert which is not Colbert, even though it looks like it. But, you know, it's almost like the Sherbert, Sherbet conversation, <laughs> even though I'm sure <laughs> some people don't say Sherbert. But but uh, thank you very much for now that I've um, joked about your last name <laughs> to make you really comfortable. Um, thank you so much for coming on, Chris. 
<laughs> no problem. Thanks for having me. I, I joke about my last name all the time. I like to tell people I'm, I'm Colbert when, you know, there's a cute lady, uh, you know, at the bar. Yeah, that's that's when I'm Colbert. So, yeah, that definitely gives it that little pizzazz. <laughs> Uh, so Chris is the CEO of DCP Entertainment, which do you want to, I'll, I'll let you tell us a little bit about how that kind of came to be and what uh, that represents. Sure. Yeah. I started my career in uh, the radio field, primarily uh, at Sirius XM Radio, starting when it was actually Sirius Radio before the whole merger. At my time there, I ran uh, a lot of the stations there, including having helped create and run Jamie Foxx's radio station called The Foxhole. It was you know, comedy and music together. I created and ran a George Carlin radio station, a 24-7 Latino comedy channel. But I also did some work um, working on politics and news and issues for the Black community. Um, so by the time I left there, I was the director of Urban Talk and Comedy, which essentially is I was running the talk department for Black and Latino-focused programming. And having been there for about 11 years, you know, you're always looking to see what's next. And I just was looking at the greater media landscape and noticing that people like myself, uh, I am a black man. Um, so just, you know, black people. But then I look broader into Latino, Asian uh, women, LGBTQ plus. There were these communities that I didn't feel like we were getting uh, the proper kind of representation in mainstream media. Some of them just weren't really getting many opportunities. Others were getting opportunities, but weren't giving, you know, getting the same kind of talent booking and press and marketing opportunities. And so I wanted to be able to create a space to be able to facilitate that. Um, not only for my own company, but to to showcase to other companies that these are communities that should be championed. And, you know, this is the responsible way to be able to do that. And that responsible way is by hiring people um, who also reflect those kinds of communities. And so I did go to a podcast company for a year as I was making that transition. And uh, having worked there as the head of their audio documentary department, that really broadened some of my uh, production chops, especially in this new field of podcasting. Uh, and that's was my last stop in terms of working for other people before I went fully all in um, in 2018 with DCP Entertainment, which as a company, we service underrepresented communities, conversations, those communities that I mentioned before, but also conversations around mental health and overcoming adversity, disability. Again, all those things that just aren't in that media landscape in the responsible ways that we think, and or at least that we think, uh, you know, are not being handled properly. And so we want to kind of take that on. And as we've, you know, been doing this now for the last couple of years, other companies definitely have been doing the same, not to say they just looked at us and have done it. But, you know, I think that the trend of our culture, this younger generation, I think is really helping push that movement. And we hope to be part of that movement as well um, and making sure that there's a lot of responsible programming out there that not is just about saying, hey, look at me, I'm disabled or I'm you know, gay or Latino. But, you know, just even seeing or hearing your own stories reflected in the content is very important. And that's where we like to stand ourselves up as a, as a company at DCP. Mm. I love that so much, what you are doing and that you are saying that how much that affects people, because this is 2018, you're like talking about this all happening at that perfect time. And especially, you know, every month, every year since then, and this year, potentially more than any other of the normalization of talking about mental health alone and then talking about all of the people that are 
not alone, that you are experiencing that, that so many other people are experiencing and getting to hear them talk about their struggles and what they've done to, or what they are continuing to do to make their way through it is so meaningful and so helpful because it it just still drives me absolutely batty that people are still looking down upon that. And even from, I'm not going to try to get too, (laughs) I say this in so many of my episodes, I'm not going to try to get political, but that there are so many people from the top down in so many different leadership roles that are still pushing against and demonizing mental health conversations, making it a weakness, making it something that is uh, not normal and wrong and that you definitely should not talk openly about is just, it drives me up a wall. So I'm glad that you uh, have stepped forward with so many other people to bring that out and in such a good way. No, thank you for saying that. And and honestly, I completely agree. I feel like especially amongst men and, and certain cultures as well, it's just that extra hurdle. Like it is beaten into us. Some of us literally physically beaten into us, you mm. know, not to show emotion or, or particular types of emotion like sadness or fear or things like that. And so it is a hard thing to one overcome, but sometimes for many of us just to even recognize. So, um, yeah, we just want to be part of that conversation and and making people more comfortable. Yeah, that's great. As you say that, I'm thinking about all of the different groups that have so much that they are having to work against. And it's, it's so funny with men and with, um, the drive of manliness and stepping up to the plate and what you know now the catchphrase of toxic masculinity which is so in my opinion so completely real and toxic is almost not a big enough word for it because of not only what they do to try and puff up their chests and show themselves as better but how that reflects to people that don't feel that way and don't fall into that category and how insecure, subordinate, (laughs) displaced, and in, in so many different ways that that can make other people feel. And then you bring on mental health issues And like you said, like the just the crux of talking about those kind of things, bringing it up and I'm a man and I shouldn't be feeling this way is just I was thinking about it so fitting because I was taught I was thinking about this at different times today and thinking about especially the group of white males and how a lot of their expressions in the last uh, gosh, like I would say two years, and then it could go five, and then it could go 30, and then it could go 400. But the ways that that explosion of all of those different things is going off in their mind and how that is then being expressed is just, um, yeah, Mm -hmm. (laughs) we need to talk about it and uh, find ways to dig into that and thinking of how many closed doors they have run into or just the inability to find some way to do that healthy um, is, yeah, it's a mountain. 
Yeah. And what, what I think is so, so interesting about it, too, is that as we as individuals and not even just in, in the work that we do, but I'll, I'll, I'll draw back to that in a second. But just as individuals, when we speak openly about our own mental health struggles or the situations that we've been through, you what you find is that when you are open and honest about those things, it it makes other people feel comfortable to be open and honest about what they're going through. And again, sometimes even recognize things that they didn't recognize within themselves and Mm -hmm. now are taking, you know, being more cognizant of taking care of themselves in in a mental and emotional kind of way. And we got, we kind of experienced that ourselves as a team. Uh, One of our first series that we ever put out uh, was a show called Inner Space. And one of the things I forgot to mention in describing what DCP is, I forgot a key part. So we produce and and distribute podcasts and video content. We are a production house that primarily does podcasts these days, but also has some video series. And one of those video slash podcast series was a show called Inner Space. And it was all about mental health, talking to celebrities, talking to business professionals, entertainers, people who are just everyday uh, individuals about their mental mental health. And as we produced that program, us as the team behind the scenes, we started talking more openly about our our own struggles. And, you know, I myself recognized some PTSD that I had uh, within myself uh, that I didn't know was there because I just didn't recognize the signs. You know, the things in our lives happen so uh, gradually that we don't always necessarily notice it. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until hearing some of these other stories that I could really relate to to say, oh, my goodness, you know, I'm I fall in that same category and I didn't realize it. And so I just think it's so important that even if it's just amongst friends to talk openly about these things and, you know, hopefully can create a better life for us, our loved ones and, you know, anybody who comes in contact with us. Mm -hmm. And and the different ranges, I think, you know, back in the 80s, I'll say, and maybe 90s, like so many of the people that you were hearing talking and and not, you know, mental health, I think, wasn't really being used as a phrase much then. But people were on the other side of things if they were talking about it, like they were either projecting themselves in a way of I've beaten this or, you know, I'm 100% cured or whatever that may mean, as opposed to like talking about, I'm still struggling through this. I'm making my way through this. And these are some of the things that didn't necessarily work that great. And these are the, some of the things that I'm doing still that are working and I, I need to be better. And I'm talking with this person every week or whatever it may be that you're hearing more of today. That's, I think, more helpful because you're not feeling deflated if you're not as healthy as the other person is that dealt with what you're dealing with now. You know, I think even like with motherhood, well, I'm really going on a massive limb here, but um, when my wife was pregnant with our first child, a lot of the moms that she talked to she was very frustrated because she was getting so much of the rainbows that were coming out of unicorns butts talk (laughs) about motherhood and childhood and in even pregnancy and, and birth. And afterwards, like I remember us having a conversation not too long after um, maybe the first couple, three months of my daughter's life of like, wow, either what kind of miraculous friends do we have that we've surrounded us with or why can't people just tell the freaking truth about 
how tough the struggle was and whatever. And I think that that used to be a lot more kind of hidden way back in the day. But now like more people are actually starting to talk real about, you know, Chrissy Teigen talking about her recent tragedy and stuff like that. And I think that that's so important for other people to kind of be able to see what real is. Well, you hit on something else, which is the the negative effects of when you hold on to those things, when you, you know, paint this rosy picture of, um, you know, the fact that, yes, everything is going to be roses and rainbows when you have this kid. And for some people, maybe it is. And I'm, you know, mm-hmm. like yourself, I'm going to go out on that limb. I'm not trying to put myself <laughs> in a mother's shoes. I cannot do yeah. that. But, you know, it's not going to be the same for everybody. So there's got to be other people who are struggling. And by keeping that struggle inside, you're also making others feel very alone and feeling like they're the only ones who are going through this, which compounds it and makes it so much more difficult for them um, because they feel like they can't reach out to people. And to your point, I think we're, we're because of Chrissy Teigen's and many other uh, celebrities who are out there talking about it. But, you know, just again, this newer generation being more open, I think we're getting to a place where we're trying to overcome that a bit more. Um, so it is it is encouraging. And, you know, you touched on something else, too, in the beginning of what you're saying, uh, kind of with the entertainment industry. Wayne Brady was one of the guests on our inner space program. And he mm. to sum it up, uh, he kind of said something along the lines of we give more second chances to the people who have those who really succumb to their their mental illness. They don't deal with it. And then they end up having some big blow up on set. And, you know, they may get vilified for a few months, but they're able to come back. We give them more of a second chance than we do for the people who are proactive and say, I need to step away from the Hollywood limelight for a little while to go deal with something. Mm-hmm. And then they just can never come back. So it's it's just interesting that, yes, there's progress being made, but especially in certain industries, there's those nuances to it where you're still afraid to come out and speak your truth because you're afraid. Is that going to end my career? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I I think we see that even I manage an animal hospital and we see it with people that are struggling, especially now, like having to work in as an essential worker for our animal hospital. You know, obviously we're not dealing with um, human health issues, but it's been so much busier because people are home with their pets more and it's just put a giant extra stress on some of our staff, you know, they're working their four 10 hour shifts and we've really tried to make a very, uh, strong dedication to being very open and recognizing, Hey, if you need to take a day to clear your head or even a week or whatever, be proactive about it, obviously, and take that time, like be very real because you know what your situation is. And I'm, for me personally, I'm the biggest proponent of you have to take care of yourself first over everything else. And it may feel selfish and weird to do it. But if you have an empty cup, I always say, then you can't give anything to anybody else and you're running on empty and that's not going to do anything for anyone. So do what you got to do. Yeah. Yep. No, that's great. And that's that's why with our company, we, you know, as part of our sick days, sick days also include, you know, days where you just say, hey, I need a mental day. I need a Mm. day to take care of myself emotionally. And hopefully, you know, we'll see more of that out there. Yeah, that's very true. So with all of the different things that you have going on with DCP, I know you have something coming up soon. Do you want to talk about Say Their Name and that whole project? Sure. Um, here, let's see how, how loud the siren's about to be. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I can see it coming uh, down the street uh, here. New York New, life. Exactly. Yeah, this, this one's an ambulance. 
At least it's not the fire. The fire trucks are super loud. All right, he just turned. Give give him like five more seconds. I think we'll be fine. <laughs> All right, so yeah, we um we're working on this new series called Say Their Name, and I, I say new series, but we've actually been conceptualizing this series since 2018 when we started our company. Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually started production in 2019, um, and now we're putting it out here in 2020. And the idea was born out of the fact of we were constantly seeing these. Uh, incidences of police and uh, situations in stand-your-ground states where unarmed Black people were being killed, um, again, either by police or by citizens who were claiming that they were defending themselves. And I think the first thing that, for me, hit home, outside of you know just being able to relate to these stories when you hear them and kind of see your loved ones within these people, was the fact that I couldn't remember all the names. And I was starting to call people by the region, I'd say, you know, this person in Fort Worth, Texas, or, you know, the person was killed last week. Like I, I, not out of anything of not caring. It was just, there's so many of them that you can't keep track. Sometimes just for your own emotional and mental well-being, you just can't watch or, or learn about another one because it just takes you down. And so that was kind of where I just felt like we weren't doing a service to these people um, and the lives that they had led. And that's when it would also, you know, made me realize as well that even when I am paying attention to as much of the news that comes out around them, there's no one really speaking to who they were as people. Mm. Uh, what was their life trajectory? You know, what were their hobbies? What, what was their sense of humor like? And so we wanted to create a project that did that first, memorialize these individuals because they're no longer here to tell their stories. They're no longer here to complete that life story. Can their family members, the people who are close to them, their friends, their loved ones, can they speak about them uh, without us you know, interrupting, just giving them this platform to speak about who they were as people? So that was kind of the first basis for starting this project. But then we also realized that, okay, these are situations that we want to stop from happening. And if they are going to continue to happen, uh, can we you know, lower the rate of that? And can we get accountability for uh, the people who are, who are victimizing these families, these people? And so the project then goes into what happens in these situations as time goes along. What happens after the news media stops paying attention? In some of these cases, the news media wasn't really even paying attention in the first place. But Mm -hmm. what happens when that attention goes away? The hashtag stops. Social media stops paying attention. Uh, You know, so many of these happen that we move on. You know, George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, those are names that have stuck with us for almost an entire year. That's actually not normal for us. You know, Trayvon Martin was stuck around for us for a long time, but there's so many other names that maybe were around for a day, maybe we're around for a week, a month, and now we've forgotten them already. So we want to talk to these families about what is that ongoing battle that they've faced in the courts, financially, uh, medically, there's just so much to these families' stories that I think haven't been told. And as having now spoken to these families, I know haven't been told. So those are the two main factors for what we were trying to do with this show. And I'll just mention one other piece that we then decided to do as we were planning this production, which is these families are going to be and, and have now shared such you know, painful emotional stories where they're essentially ripping the scabs off these old wounds to hopefully help educate the world on what's going on and how to make a difference. Um, And so we need to give something back directly to these families that we're touching on. And so we're also doing a crowdfunding where 100% of those proceeds go directly to these families um, so that they can pay those medical bills, legal fees. Some of these families have had to pay not only their own legal fees, but the legal fees of the officers they were suing. 
um, who killed their their loved one. Some of them are literally living in the same home that the officer killed their family member in God. and they can't afford to get out of there. Um, and none of these families are asking for handouts. None of them asked us to do this. We're, we're doing this on our own and we have their blessing, of course, but none of them are, are saying, woe is me and, and hey, we need money, but they definitely need it. Some of them, you know, want to start foundations and scholarships to help the community. So there's just, you know, we want to have that last tangible piece in there to make sure that we're making a difference in the lives of the people that are telling these stories. Um, and so, yeah, that's our, our new project, Say Their Name, that begins its first season, October 12th of 2020. Oh, wow. So we will, I'm going to go ahead mathematically and say your first at least couple, are you launching with a couple of episodes or? Oh, thank you for that clarification. Yes. So yeah. each of these um, stories, we're highlighting seven different uh, individuals and their families. And each story, each life has two episodes to it. And they come out on Monday and Tuesday of every week. Okay. You guys are going to be able to switch over after this episode, after you're done listening to Chris and I talk to that podcast to say their name and that at least the first two episodes, which is the story of, was it um, Archie Elliott? That's correct. Yep. Archie, better known as Artie, uh, Archie Elliott third. Okay. So his story should be out those first two parts that you're able to listen to now. And I think um, I can safely say that the next ones should be coming out a week after this. I'm kind of guessing on when this will be released, but you guys will at least be able to get a taste for that podcast. And you guys are going to have all of the directions on how to get involved with that crowdfunding and everything through each episode? Absolutely. In in our series description, it has the crowdfunding link there, but also in every individual episode, we uh, have that link in there. And then we also include, you know, each story has its own nuances to it. And so it touches on different calls to action for our audience, whether that be voting, whether that be signing a petition, mm -hmm. you know, we'll have all those links, all that information in each episode description. It's also in the audio as you hear it. Um, but we want to make it as, as easy for our audience to know what to do and how they can take action. That's so great. There's so many things I know, especially as everything kind of started going on, as people were starting to even get on the streets here in Southern California, I kept wanting to go out there and kept having to think to myself, okay, <laughs> what does that mean? Like, hmm. If I'm going out there in a protest, am I comfortable with potentially putting my family at risk, um, putting my coworkers at risk? What does that mean? And so for me, I've really had to, I think in a good way, it's made me open my eyes and be a lot more um, aware of what other possibilities are out there that don't just mean putting my feet to the streets, but looking at different ways that I'm able to share things online, ways that I'm able to sign petitions and share those around to other people, all of the different things that we can do from our homes to be able to spread awareness, to contribute to different causes. You know, I've got um, some friends out here that have been doing different things for homeless people in Los Angeles, different people that have been providing water to 
um, people who are out protesting in LA or different areas and just those different things that you don't really think about what people are having to do to be the participants in the on the street kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. I love that you guys have that crowdfunding attached to it. No, it was important to us to make sure that the audience knew what they could do. You know, we didn't want this project just to be, you know, pulling people emotionally. You know, we want to make sure that people feel like they can actually help make a change. They don't want to feel hopeless. And, and so I think that's important. But also, too, I think, you know, what the series allows us to do, and you kind of touched on it a little bit when you were mentioning, you know, with the protests, you don't think about, hey, do they need water? Do they need this? Do they need that? You forget about some of the the small nuances in the process of of what goes on. And that's also what we kind of touch on in this series is the process of these, um, you know, fights for justice, the nuances of these different cities and states and what these families have been through. So hopefully by, you know, us looking at some of those nuances, we're looking at how we can change the system as a whole. And that's not just defunding the police in whatever definition that may mean to you. Uh, It's also looking at the judicial system and how it's set up. It's looking at the political system and how that's set up and who we're putting in in office and more so locally, you know, those those city council officials and things like that. So, you know, it's also our media and and how, you know, they react in these situations and, Mm. uh, you know, whose word are we taking when uh, a situation occurs? And I think we don't always think that deep into it. We look at the uh, the symptom and we forget to look at the cause. And so, you know, that's what we would like to touch on with this as well. And, and yes, some of those things aren't things that you and I can go out tomorrow and change, but if we're more aware about it, we can now hold our politicians feet to the fire to make sure that we get what we need in those areas. Mm -hmm. It's crazy because the way that voting has kind of evolved in people's minds over the past I don't know, I'll go back a decade or whatever. The things that, you know, I I know so many people had to kind of get over the idea of my vote doesn't mean anything if I'm voting for a president because, you know, I even heard that in a lot in 2016. It doesn't affect me directly. Yeah, I may not like Trump, but it's not going to affect me in my home, in my city or whatever. So who really cares? It's just the little things. Um to the people who have kind of been the reverse and always been like, okay, I know who my president and my vice president is um, in my city or my state or even in Senate. I'm just going with whatever letter represents me. And it's something that I was talking with somebody about just the other day because it's something that I've been kicking around in my head. And if I had more time, Chris, and I was better at putting things together, I would have already kind of created this thing that's been in my mind of thinking outside the R was what I had kind of created this name for this thing. Because for me, I was, I um, come from a non-denominational Christian home. My dad was a pastor. I was always raised fairly conservatively. And I registered to vote originally as Republican because that's what my family was doing. Mm-hmm. And sorry, I'm so distracted by the <laughs> fact that you are just doing the loudest unraveling of if this was on Skype or something, it would be so much better because I could just point the camera at my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Picking the things to open so loud and slowly. 
Oh, my Lord. Oh, buddy. But anyways, uh, all of the people that kind of do that same thing of I was raised in this is my family way and my parents did this, whether it was we are Democrats or we are Republicans and we vote that way. And then potentially having an aha moment sometime in their life, possibly of this is what I think independently and how I'm going to differ from that, whether that happens or not. And I think a lot of people that I know over the course of my life are in that mindset still of that cliche of I'm just, I'm voting Republican, whatever, whoever it is, because these are my values. This is what I believe strongly in. And so I am always going to vote dash R no matter, no matter what, I don't even care. Like the people who I still even hear say this, like, I don't like Trump. I don't like him. I don't like the way he talks. I don't, agree with what he does. And then you do have people who love him and love the way he talks, but people who say like, I like his policy. I, I am pro-life or, um, I am for whatever. And so I'm just voting the R all the way down my lines and I'm good to go. And, um, so I think over the past four years, definitely over the past year, a lot of this has come to light of what your votes can mean to who is in charge of the policing in your county or even in your city or whatever. And and what that means, what this person in power can mean, what a Supreme Court justice means and, and what is your control over that? And so it's really interesting to me, like how much all of that has kind of come to light on one of those other things that we can do to try and help nudge things in whatever direction we want them to go. Yeah. And I think what's also coming more to light too is, is uh, how economics uh, really drives a lot of these politicians and, you mm-hmm. know, the who donates to their campaigns decides their policies or who they're going to back if there's ever a lawsuit that comes out. And, you know, in this, in our, you know, what we're, you know, doing with our Say Their Name series, we talk a lot about kind of the fraternal order of police and uh, those kind of unions there. But that obviously goes beyond that, you know, obviously, as we're seeing with the political, you know, the greater political election, you know, they're talking about those people who have been putting money behind getting those judges on the court because they want to be able to influence, you know, the the lay of the land for, you know, centuries to come. So, you know, I, I think you know, people are getting more educated about that. But at the same time, too, we are in this new, inf- you know, in this new age of propaganda uh, on a pretty much mass scale. And so it's right. sometimes hard to know what is real out there. And so I, I do understand the difficulties there, but I'm very uh, encouraged and, and interested to hear what you bring together with that podcast, because it, it sounds like a great idea. Well, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> as i say i wish I, I i have i have many ideas that basically all just um sit on a shelf somewhere because i just don't have the time so oh yeah i have a i have a notepad on my iphone where you can just keep scrolling and there's all these documentary yeah. ideas i want to do and i'm probably going to oh, do one in my entire lifetime because there's just not enough time in the day say their name was on that list so at least we got one of them out of there there you go yeah and and you selected wisely a very good one I know that for me, as a white person in Southern California, in in Orange County, to be very specific, like it is a very 
uh, specific territory here, I think, of Southern California. Mm-hmm. It definitely has been interesting seeing what has gone on around me with the people in my community over the past, um, what, seven months, eight months with regards to whether it be um, COVID and what we are doing about that, as well as with all of the racial issues that are going on and how people position themselves or believe in, with regards to that. I God, I just, I remember seeing the whole thing with, um, was it Christian Cooper out in New York with the whole yep. birding thing, which was, was that a day before George Floyd? I can't remember if it's a day before, but it was like the same week. It, it definitely was yeah. in a few day period, if not the day before. Yep. Yeah. God, and it was just like when everybody put that, um, I think she had the same last name, something mm-hmm. Cooper, when they were putting that video on and just seeing that and and seeing how different people were kind of reacting to that and seeing the very important conversation of why was she doing that? What was her aim, whether she is going to cop to her intention or not? What what is driving this and that kind of becoming a very big bubbling of a conversation that's happened a bunch of different times, just like you said, like this hasn't just been going on this year. I mean, obviously, it's been going on for decades and beyond that, but also like um, Trayvon Martin and and different things happening in Baltimore and then Minneapolis and all these different places and this just kind of becoming that ember and then George Floyd just completely setting it all on fire and everything just kind of completely exploding in a way that made me like just really settle into, okay, I I have a lot to think about right now and a lot to like learn and self-reflect on. And I think that hearing because i will spoiler i don't what not spoiler but um i you were very kind in letting me listen to the first two parts of say their name and all of that is so important for other people to be hearing and thinking about what we what we not only what we can do but what our part has been how we can improve our lives and um, make things different for the people around us. For me as a dad, it has been massively, what am I teaching my kids actively? Because I think when I was a kid, obviously these kinds of things weren't happening in the way that they are now, but it, it wasn't, there weren't discussions. It just, and, and they weren't being pushed to happen by events happening around us but there wasn't a sorry to my parents i'm not saying this as like an insult to them but there wasn't a drive there wasn't a proactive conversation that was happening either so it was just something that kind of like never got discussed not as a yucky thing that we just don't want to talk about but i wasn't taught a good way to be towards people that didn't look like me or weren't from where I was from. And so 
I feel very fortunate that I didn't get that teaching in a negative way when I did eventually get it from people around me, I guess, which I think happens all the time, both ways. Yeah. And I think, you know, you touched on a little bit of that and sometimes it, it's, it's willful, but that ignorance that's, that's there sometimes of just not knowing. And, um, you know, with the, and hopefully I'm getting these names right too, but with the Christian Cooper, I believe her name was Amy Cooper, um, mm, yeah. situation, you know, with her, she, you know, was threatening and did call the police. And I think a few people on social media pointed out that what she, what would have happened if the police showed up there could have been what happened in the case of John Crawford III, who's another one that we highlight where there's a, a 911 caller who says that this person's pointing a gun at people when they're really not. And the police come and shoot this person in the middle of the Walmart. Mm-hmm. You know, you you have your Tamir Rices who have somebody call the police on him and he gets shot. You have mm-hmm. a Tatiana Jefferson who was asleep in her, you know, playing video games with her her nephew, I believe, or, you know, playing ne- uh, video games in her own home. And, you know, someone sees her front door open. They call the police and she's killed. And again, in all those situations, there may have been this innocent bystander, but those actions that are taken uh, some more malicious than others can lead to somebody losing their life. And, you know, that's as black people, we have that fear. Uh, and you can, you know, I think it's more understood now why we have that fear uh, when police show up, even if we are the ones who are in need. Um, and and it, it's, you know, sad that we kind of live in that state. But um, I guess I'm more encouraged that at least more people understand that. And especially, again, mm-hmm. I keep pointing back to that younger generation. I feel like they're the ones really pushing to say this isn't right, regardless of what uh, race they may be. And, and I think that much like yourself, you know, there's there's others who are now recognizing certain maybe not implicit biases or ignorances that they may have had, just, you know, knowledge base that they didn't have about their own actions or maybe their own privilege that now they're taking more more of a conscious approach to. And so I guess, mm-hmm. you know, that's where I see encouragement. But I do still fear sometimes that we are living in in a moment and not a movement where, and I, I kind of steal that term from a radio host, Joe Madison, we need to take these moments and turn them into a movement, something that is lasting. And I sometimes worry that, okay, what happens a year from now if uh, we have a new president and we're like, okay, everything's solved now. No, there's mm-hmm. systemic issues here that we have to, to work on. Even if we defund the police, okay, we solved everything. No, there's so much more that has to be done. Um, and so I do sometimes get nervous that, you know, we're going to make a few quick changes and then, you know, brush our hands off and, and walk away and say everything's good to go. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it says all the more importance of things like your podcast, like um, other all the other podcasts that have sprung up and all of the books that are being written and everybody continuing to talk about this and you know, every once in a while, you, you will see the little, I don't even know, it's not really a meme, it's just has text on it, um, a slide uh, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, where it just says like, it is not just a hashtag. Let's not forget this is still going on and keeping these things in the forefront of our mind. And And I think there have been times that people have seen that there are still people doing these things in LA, in New York, and in other parts of the country. And and it's really shocking them that people are still doing this. And that is great in a way, but there there is that big change that needs to continue to happen as well. And yeah, 
<laughs> I just I I hope that it, it, a lot of it, just like we say about so many other things to parents and amongst uh, other parents that I have, so much of this starts at home and can be changed. And fortunately, like you said, the hope is really kind of more glowing in that younger generation right now because they are being very active. They are not afraid to be outspoken. They are, many of them are incredibly smart with how to use their tools, how to use social media, how to use technology to do these things um, to combat all of the evils out there. Um, but yeah, it, it it definitely is not even saying that it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. Isn't even a long enough word for it. Like this is a lifelong thing that unfortunately is going to continue on for a very long time that people are just going to have to continue to do big and little work on. So, yep. No, I think very well said. And, um, you know, I think what also helps to spur change for for some people, especially those who may have learned, you know, from parents or from environments that may have painted a certain picture of, say, Black people or the police. I think what helps people to make change is when they're affected emotionally or they're affected in a way that feels more personal to them. They can see their loved ones in a story or, you know, they they can now can can empathize with the pain or, or the experiences of, of another person. And, you know, I think that's the approach we try to take in this project where you'll hear very little of me in it. You'll hear, you know, as little of our narrator as possible. We really want the family to tell the story. We want their loved ones to tell the story from their own words with as little interruption as possible so that you can connect with them and really understand what, what they're going through, what they've been through, what they're going to continue to have to go through. And so, yeah, we, we hope that that will help to spur some change for people. But also what also comes out of some of these episodes, too, is these families talking about the different foundations that are out there, the different resources that are available to families if they do happen to go through this situation. As you said, it's not going to just stop tomorrow. And so I think it's important as well for those who may find themselves in these situations or already are in these situations and don't know the resources that are available to them that, you know, these families are there letting them know that, hey, you can reach out to my foundation, you can reach out to this other person, um, no matter what part of the country they're in. So, you know, it's it's going to take time, as you said, it's going to be that marathon. Um, but in the meantime, let's put up those safeguards to to protect the people um, who have experienced this and, and that they don't get re-victimized as we continue to see with many of these families. Yeah, which is a great inner layer to it, because I think just like you said, it is something that sometimes takes that emotional connection for people and hearing like for me when I was hearing the parents talk and all of these people that know these people who died who should not have been taken away from them and from their friends and from so many people that god I say this all the time you think about all the lives that you have touched each one of us have touched over the course of however many years of our lives, whether you break that down into 10s or 20s or whatever. So by the age of 35, you have affected so many people's lives and people that are dying and or I'm sorry, I shouldn't say it that way. People who are being killed at 17 years old and to think about 
all of the people that have to deal with that grief and how deeply that affects them and all of the people over the course of what should have been another, who knows, anywhere from one to 60 more years of their lives, what they could have done for even any of us listening and and all of these people that, like you said, there's so many different names and so many different people who have died in this way, who have been taken from our earth and taken from all of us and their families needlessly and senselessly is just astounding to me. And so bringing that through the voices of the people who knew them is, is priceless because it connects us to that idea that these these are lives. These are human lives that had done something, were on a path, had other people that they were going to affect. And uh, God, it just, it, that is the one thing that I have really like tried to say very slowly to some people who I feel like need to just hear it in that way. The phrase of Black Lives Matter and everything that goes around that, but just saying, these are people's lives. <laughs> like these yep. are human beings. Yep. And getting that through to people is so important. So I, again, like I said it a bunch of times, but I love that you guys have done that project. Thank you. Yeah. I, I literally cannot say it any more eloquently than you just put it. So I, I really quickly before we kind of wrap up, I wanted to ask because I know that I, I talk about this with people and I don't think it resonates with everybody, but were you having as as a kid in your family, and and where did where did you grow up, Chris? I grew up in the uh, the Baltimore area, but for those who know the Baltimore area, I grew up in a county called Hartford County and in a town called Bel Air, Maryland. Oh, so it's the suburbs of Baltimore. No, you live where one of my great friends lives. <laughs> if you're in Bel Air or you still have family there. Um, my friend Jess and her husband, Jose live out there. Jose, big podcast guy. He was actually who got me into podcasts. Oh, very interesting. Anyways. So as somebody who is growing up in Baltimore and in that area of Maryland, were you getting these discussions that I honestly, very ignorantly did not know were having to consciously happen within the black home with their kids of these are the things you can't do. These are the things you should not do in order to be safe, et cetera. Were you guys having those kind of discussions when you were a kid? Oh, absolutely. Um, my first ever driving lesson was sitting in the living room and being told what to do. Not even, I, don't, I, I can't remember the exact words, but at least in my memory, it feels like when the police pull you over, it wasn't if. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, it was being taught, keep your hands at 10 and 2. You keep your hands on the wheel. You don't move until the officer gets to your window. When the officer gets there, you roll down that window. You narrate every single thing that you're about to do. You move slowly. You say, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Uh, you know, utmost respect you you know make sure your car is off you turn your music off yeah there's there literally is a checklist that you do mm. um and if there's other people in the car you tell them to shut up don't you know don't say a word 
Um, and yeah, that's just kind of how you're raised. And honestly, I didn't realize on the flip side that other people weren't having that conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, that was normal for us. And so, yeah, with that, that was um, a big part of the experience. And I will also add, you know, Maryland is technically the South. We are below the Mason-Dixon line. And, yeah. you know, they take the South kind of seriously. We we had KKK in our neighborhoods. We had skinheads. We had, you know, people who were getting uh, uh, the N-word written on the side of their house with graffiti. We had stuff put in the mail with the N-word in it. We had, you know, I had a friend whose father is, you know, it's a white friend of mine. His father went to the county next to us and went to pump gas. And someone just literally came up to him, asked him to come to a KKK rally. It's that open at times. And so that's the environment that I kind of grew up in. Wow. That's just, I know that that is um, what, I don't even know the right word to say, normal is in black homes and what is necessary. And it, and it just was something, again, like I had no idea, just like you didn't know that people didn't have those conversations. And it really is like, I had to talk with some of my white friends who would kind of push back on me when I was saying that I absolutely realize and understand now, even to that level, what my white privilege is. And I would say to them, like, don't you think like, think about this, what, what these kids are having to have conversations about how to not wear their clothes or hmm. how how to wear a hat or yep. how to play their music. Like just thinking about all these things that I was able to do as a little kid, as what, you know, thinking in, this is in the seventies and in Orange County, Southern California, but you know, we're playing cops and robbers out in the street with toy guns and not thinking a ding dong thing about it like ever. And thinking about how much different my childhood was from somebody who's in the South um, and what my, to use the big words, freedoms and liberties were because of that is it just makes me like, just feel very odd inside. Like the idea of what my unknown privilege was for so long and still you know the idea that i still have those things as we were just talking i was just watching two big sheriff cars just drive by my um, window which doesn't happen typically in my neighborhood at all but (laughs) the feelings that maybe are and are not evoked from that is is another symbol of that and it, it really like i'm not going down the road. And I know, you know, some of the people have kind of talked about this, the people who were going out and like, um, massively prostating themselves to, um, black people and like kissing their shoes and stuff like that, which is kind of weird to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not a big shoe kisser though. I mean, (laughs) to each their own Rex Ryan to each of their own. Um, but like, you know, the knowledge of that and the way that my sensitivity has gone even further to um, the friends in my life and the the acquaintances in my life that are black and thinking about um, ways that they have had to live their life, um, whether it be in caution, in fear, in um, thinking what they're doing in ways that I never had to is just 
it's really crazy. So I just wanted to hear that if that was something that you went through and, um, I don't, I don't know what my response to that. I, I well, and it's don't that, know what the proper response is. Well, yeah. And there's not even, yeah, it's like, you know, it's not even past tense. It's still, it's still a ongoing thing right. in, in many ways, especially, you know, I, I remember being in college and I remember I left my friend's party to go across the street to the parking lot. Just, to, I think I was going to get my coat cause it was cold out and I got the police pulled me over. I wasn't even in my car. They pulled me over oh and gosh. they handcuffed me on the side of the street in the middle of the winter had me there for over half an hour because they said that I had stole it. They, you know, I fit the description of someone who stole a car. Wow. Uh, I am black. I am six foot. And so I fit the description. Sorry, it's black. I'm six foot wearing a black coat and uh, I have a goatee. So I fit the description. And, wow. you know, after, you know, freezing cold on the sidewalk, hands cuffed for, you know, over half an hour, they, I overheard they, they caught the right person and they finally let me go. There was no sorry, no, you know, you know, we're sorry to have you know, done any of this. It was just, all right, you know, get, get the heck out of here. And, you know, I, I kept trying to tell them, like, if I stole a car, why would I be going to my car right there? Um, yeah. And that's a very small, very inconsequential incident compared mm-hmm. to some of these things that we obviously touch on in our series. But, you know, I'm a person who, uh, f- fortunately, unfortunately, I get recognized a lot of places I go. I have one of those faces that people think I am somebody else. So I've mm-hmm. been called, you know, people's friends that they've known for years. I've been called different celebrities. And so it's endearing a lot of times. It's, you know, a fun, cool little thing to have. But I do mm-hmm. sometimes get concerned of fitting the description because I do look like, you know, according to some people, I look like kind of like a generical, I guess, black person. And so mm-hmm. I never know when a siren is coming down the street or a police officer is walking if if I'm, you know, the person that they're looking for. And uh I don't necessarily carry that in the back of my head on a regular basis, but it is something that when you hear those sirens, as you were mentioning before, I do get those sweats. And um, I know I'm not the only you know person out there, especially not the only black person. Yeah. Um, and the funny thing is a lot of, and I say funny, but it's funny in jest of a lot of our rap music that I love to listen to has sometimes they'll have like a siren sound effect. So I can be in the car and a song will come on and I'm like, oh my gosh. And it's okay. I just need to turn oh, my gosh. volume down. But it's it's just that. It's like, it's just this visceral yeah. thing that you have with that that police siren sound. And it's it's ingrained in us because a lot of the trauma that we've experienced, whether it be our own trauma or the trauma of watching these videos that we're now seeing on a regular basis and reading these mm-hmm. stories, it has back to full circle to our mental health discussion. This is the trauma that is black people that we and not to just put on us there's look at you know what's going on in the latino communities with rounding people up and stuff like that like that causes Mm -hmm. trauma in families that what if if, am i going to live tomorrow or is my family member going to be able to come home tomorrow that gets internalized and that's that's going to be very hard to break for many of us yeah yeah i remember when ice first kind of started the the knowledge of what was going on was happening and we actually saw um, two uh, federal vehicles in a place right near where I work. We were having, my friend and I were having lunch and they were parked very haphazardly in the parking lot. And a few of the officers that weren't in, you know, they're not dressed like police officers or anything like that were, I think, getting a Starbucks nearby or something. And we realized that they were, ICE officers and we were just thinking, oh my God, like this is really happening. And thinking about, yeah, you start to see that happening at that time or even now, and you are seeing a black 
the vehicles that you're used to thinking it is a big black suburban with super dark tinted windows or whatever vehicles you know you were seeing the ones that um, protesters are getting pulled off the streets in Portland or wherever and just thrown in a vehicle and taken away um, yeah I can see that absolutely creating that kind of PTSD trigger for you of this is I'm seeing this I'm hearing this or whatever it may be and are they here for for me my friends all of us whatever I just <sighs> it's a scary time yep yep so I'm glad uh, we're bringing it to a really positive note <laughs> <laughs> but I will I will get you uh, to try to bring this towards something a little better for a climax. Um, the reason that I kind of stumbled into you and um, immediately like thought I'm I'm gonna reach out and again, I can't thank you and your team enough for um, making this happen but I saw that you were getting added to, um, I believe it was the podcast movement. Yes, I'm. Um, uh, yeah, doing two uh, two panels there. And is this your is this your first time doing panels for PM? Yep. Yeah, my first time doing uh, p- uh, panels for them. I've attended a couple times. Um, you know, yeah. we were able to do the in person stuff. Um, so I'm very uh, humbled to actually now be not only on one stage but two stages. So yeah, this is. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Cool. Well, uh, do you know when that is taking place this year? Yes, it's um, and and I, I apologize if I'm getting these exact dates wrong, but I believe it's October 20th through the 29th. So it's about like a two oh, wow. week um kind of a yeah, because th- there's so many great panels. So I, I definitely recommend people signing up for that. I know I am uh, presenting on October 20th and also on um October uh 27th, I believe. Now I'm now I feel cool. really bad because uh, I just have so many things on my calendar. But yes, go say, uh, say every day and I'll just edit it. Yeah. Chris. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm speaking October 27th, October 28th. October, no. Um, no, it's uh, it's honestly even outside of what we're speaking on, I, I think it's really worthwhile for anybody looking to get into podcasting or better understand podcasting. So yeah, well, thanks again. I, I like I just said, I am super stoked that your team and you got back to me so quickly and we're even open to making this happen and I the timeliness of having you on and right on the brink of say their name coming out really means a lot to me so thank you so much thank you no it means a lot to me to to have you had you reach out to me and and also want to to feature what we're doing especially with say their name on your platform um it really does mean a lot and we want to make sure that we get the word out about this and as much as i want as many people to listen to our podcast as possible which yes now go over listen to the podcast but also even if you decide not to continue listening or you have others who may not want to listen but want to do something donate to the crowdfunding campaign that we're doing i really want to help these families i know many others do and so we want to make sure that we we get them something tangible to better their living situations yeah we will put all of the uh possible links and show notes on um on my site on daddyunscripted.com and we'll put it in the show notes here as well so you guys can find your way best to um, both the podcast and any of those uh, crowdfunding as well. Thank you. So great. Uh, well, good luck with everything the rest of this year, Chris. Um, I hope that we were we are talking about a better time coming up soon, and um, we will be in the long beyond marathon marathon together with you. 
Thank you. Yeah, I, I hope we uh, yeah we get to a better place. But it's it's gradual. It takes time, but it takes you know people like all of us here fighting and, and using our own platforms to to push forward. You know, to make a better world for all of us. So thank you for again for having me for this conversation. Okay, and that is where our conversation ended. I I could have just gone on way longer, and I was kind of at that point where I was looking a little bit at my clock, and we didn't really talk about how much time we had, and I just felt like this could go on for so much longer, but let me just respect your time. Let me let you go. Wrap this up. Keep this a little bit more succinct than some of my episodes are, and wrap it up where we have it now. And immediately my thought is, I'm going to have to reach out to him again and see if I can get him on later and talk about all those other things. But I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. I've said it before after my podcasts, I really do get a benefit out of this podcast because of the people I get to talk to. And that's great and all. But I could just do that, I guess, on my own or just like never put out these episodes and be somebody who has like a hidden podcast and tries to talk to more people just for my own good. But that's not what it's here for. The whole reason I'm doing all of this is so that other people can be inspired by, learn from, hear about all of these different stories of other people's lives and their experiences and take what they will from that and hopefully pass it along to other people and get that, you know how I talk about these things, get that ball of love and kindness and human kindness and generosity and openness and acceptance and all of that and spreading it further and further out there. I'm doing big hand motions as I'm saying this, but I'm not on video because I've got a face for radio or something like that. Anyway, thank you to Chris. Thank you to everybody at DCP Entertainment and all of his group that helped out. Again, can't thank you guys enough. Check the show notes. Go and find dcpofficial.com, DCP Official on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Find all the different podcasts that you might be interested in that they are putting out. And again, one of the really important parts of that series is the money that they are trying to raise to work and help these families. You'll find more about that in show notes on their website. Find all of those little ways. Again, like I said in our conversation, I am like many of you living paycheck to paycheck. My family is getting by and by the good grace of God, we are getting by really like that is it. And I have felt okay with and been at peace with and felt proud and honored to be able to give a little bit here and there to different people, organizations, small independent groups, um, doing what I can to try and help some of these people out. You know what I mean? Like I'm not donating to big corporations or things like that, but I am hearing of these groups of people that are providing water 
to homeless people when it is well over 100 degrees or doing something to help a cause just like this to help these families directly. So if that speaks to any of you out there, I would just tell you, get into it, (laughs) you know? Let that good feeling come by spreading some of that love, even if it is five bucks. Like, that is a helpful thing. And I know it's the cliche thing to say, but if it is you are giving up your Starbucks for a day, your Duncan, ding, Duncan, I'm glad to have you guys on as a sponsor whenever. Um, you can do that proudly and quietly and anonymously and whatever way feels the best to you. That's all I'm going to say. Okay, Chris, thank you so much. Everybody, thank you for listening. Let me know your thoughts. Reach out to me on any of the social media platforms. Daddy Unscripted on Instagram, on Facebook, and mostly on Twitter. I'm on Twitter pretty actively, so you can reach out to me there. Send me an email, daddyunscripted at gmail.com. I will say, as it is, we just passed through World Mental Health Day We just got through Suicide Awareness Month, all of these things going on. And like I say in many of my episodes, especially now, especially now, if you are struggling with things that are going on around you in your own world, look, a lot of us are still in some kind of sheltering at home, however that means to you. If things are really bad, and you feel like you need to reach out to somebody at a much higher level, the National Suicide Prevention Hotline is 800-273-8255. I have a Google Voice number for any of you to use at any time. You don't have to give me your name. You don't have to tell me anything. Sometimes you just need to say things, and you don't need anybody to do anything else but listen. If you do want me to reach back out, then leave me your number. I will absolutely reach back out to you in a safe way or via email or whatever. But that Google number is 872-444-6784. And you can leave a voicemail on there. So you guys have that number. I wanted to make sure I put those. Those will also be in the show notes. Okay. And lastly, you can find my podcast and all of the other Osiris podcasts at osirispod.com. Osiris is going to be continuing to do some really great podcasts around music and culture and other things over the next 16 months. I think these are going to be some of the biggest 16 months for Osiris. So go check that out. Thank you to Umphreys McGee for allowing me to have your music in this podcast always. Check out umphreys.com to read more about what is going on with them and what they are doing in this very horrible time for so many artists, musicians, bands. So check them out, umfreeze.com. You guys, I can't thank you enough. Stick with me. I'm going to keep bringing out these episodes regularly. I'm still in it to win it with you guys, for you guys, and supported by you guys. Really, 100% and truly, I thank you and appreciate each and every one of you. More episodes to come changes to come sure but they will be good changes i fully 100 believe that and i'll let you know more about that as they continue to solidify but i just want to say in all things 
<sighs> I edit out a lot of my size, but that one I'm keeping in because I really want you guys to do that too. Take some deep breaths. Breathe in, breathe out. Think before you react to things. Find your ways to be able to speak kindly to others. Come at people with empathy. And for those of you who are doing the work, my I just closed my eyes and sent you the biggest pat on the back and the biggest hug. Let's all keep doing the work. Let's keep our eyes on the prize of a world that has more love in it, more love in it than ever before, more acceptance. Yes, I'm very kumbaya. Don't worry about it. More acceptance, more love, more kindness to other human beings. Ugh, I, I, The thought of that just makes me incredibly hopeful, cautiously excited, but I do still have hope. And I have hope because I know and still talk to so many people like Chris and others of you out there that continue to give me hope in humankind. So let's continue to do that work with one another, for one another, and be good, positive examples to others. So much love to all of you. Thanks again. New episode out in a couple of weeks. Thanks, you guys. Thanks, you guys.